This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So far, 55% of the audience has said it is 45 going in the direction of Cashman. So continue to weigh in that in on that on Twitter at Tidy Butler. Hit us up on the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Did want to, you know, fully dive into the football. It, we entertain just because it was a rumor. Saquon could sit out the entirety of next season if he didn't get that contract that he was looking for from the Giants. I think that would be crazy. It's career suicide. We know it doesn't work. So why do that? You're a bright guy. It doesn't make any sense. I wonder, though. Since being drafted number two overall by the Giants back in 2018, it was the wrong pick at the time. Still is the wrong pick. But he has been a tremendous talent. And outside of the injuries, been a really good Giant, right? Great locker room guy. He's productive on the field. Actually rewatched. The uh, playoff game from last year, Vikings Giants, that big touchdown he had, uh, you know, on that seventy-five yard drive, he was great. But is there? I, I wondered, is, is there anything that he could have done that would have opened the door for the Giants giving him a lucrative deal? Let's say he doesn't get hurt, he's tremendous for five seasons, and all of the career, uh, all of the character traits that have been positive are still on full display. Any world where he gets that lucrative deal and there's no trepidation about it? Because uh, we keep talking about the two-year span from 2021 to 20, uh, 2020 to 2021 where he only played 15 games. Even if he has stayed healthy for those two years, was he getting a big-time contract from anyone outside of Dave Gettleman who would have had to justify taking number two overall? Because you look at the running backs available. Zeke, Dalvin Cook. Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. These are 27, 28-year-old guys who should either be in the thick of or, you know, just approaching the tail end of their primes, and right now they can't get a job. Now we'll see what happens. You get to training camp. Inevitably, injuries happen. So these guys don't right now have to come off of their asking prices. So they should be able to get work. But... You just look at the landscape of the running backs. Look, Josh Jacobs got the tag. He's in trade rumors, which is so funny. I, I came across this 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 article. You know, could the Jets land Josh Jacobs in the trade? I don't see it happening. But you know, Najee Harris going to be looking for a, an extension soon. The, the, this is a, a a a nice group of running backs, elite running backs on a high end and on a low end, very good running backs that are either struggling to get a contract. Or there is a question as to whether they'll get the big deal, and it just shows you how the NFL views this position. Bill Barnwell wrote an excellent article on the demise of running backs, and he pointed out, amongst many things, that teams have gone to rotating backs, and it's actually proved to be more effective. So you're not having these high-volume guys anymore for the most part. You're rotating, and the offensive efficiency when it comes to your rushing attack has become higher. Lead backs carrying the ball less, team efficiency numbers have improved. So you combine that with the fact that, you know, the reality, what team gave the running back the long-term extension and didn't regret it? 
The Rams with Gurley, we saw how that played out. The Cowboys with Zeke, just cut him. McCaffrey with the Panthers, injury, traded him to San Francisco. Dalvin Cook with the Vikings, four straight thousand-yard seasons, cut him. Alvin Kamara with the Saints was not the same player once Breeze retired. On the flip side, I kind of used like Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, at least offensively, as like the standards. Uh, when Kyle Shanahan, like I, I go back to Jimmy G, or like before Rodgers became a Jet, it was you know should they go after Jimmy G? And my thought was Kyle Shanahan, who might be the, the brightest offensive mind in the sport, couldn't wait to get rid of him faster, and that's who the Jets are going after. No thanks. So Kyle Shanahan. You know, kept investing high capital into running backs to fit his system, and they ended up being flops. And look who's ended up being successful in Shanahan's system. Undrafted free agent Matt Breida. Journeyman Raheem Mostert. Sixth-round pick, Alaa Mitchell. That goes to show you that the brightest offensive mind, even going after running backs with high picks, that didn't work out. He's had success with guys who weren't highly coveted. Again, showing you the nature of the running backs in this league. We're seeing that it is not incredibly difficult to, to find more cost-effective replacements when it comes to these guys looking to get paid. And I keep going back to what Chris Canty said about, you know, the, the, these guys are in their prime first four to five years. doesn't make sense to pay them after that. You could find a replacement for Saquon. You don't want to because he's that good and because of what he means to your locker room. But if this thing goes sideways, you don't think Dable can find a replacement? And it's not that he's going to be as good as Saquon. But you can find uh, and develop a room that can give you similar production. And if Daniel Jones takes the leap that he's supposed to, given the contract situation, he just got paid, then that elevates your team because he's also dynamic as a runner. I, I just think that, you know, when, when I saw the report, Saquon's considering sitting out, it was foolish to me. That's career suicide. Makes no sense. I think he has a little bit of leverage. I think he has a tad bit of leverage. And the leverage is that the Giants, I just, you know, made the case that they could replace him. Right now, at least going into next season, they need him. Just paid your quarterback. You don't lock him up and then remove his best weapon when you're still in the midst of evaluating him. Hodgins, Slayton, Campbell, Hyatt, Wandale Robinson, Shepard Waller, yes, it's, a, it's an improved unit from a year ago, but it's not exactly inspiring fear. Defensive coordinators losing sleep for a week going up against the Giants. So they need Saquon going into next year. Because if they didn't, you know, they just let him walk. By the way, you go back. I, I, I mentioned this. Just given what we're witnessing right now, what would have been the best case scenario, and I got to phrase this the right way so it makes sense. The Giants last year couldn't do it because they were in the midst of making the playoffs for the first time since, what, 2016. But let's just say Saquon was just as good as he was last year. You get to the deadline, the Giants are out of it. They trade him. That's what they do. They trade him because it's clear they don't want to give him a big contract because it doesn't make sense to do that in this league where 
you're hard capped. So if they weren't in the midst of making the playoffs last year, they would have dealt him at the deadline, try to get something for him, so that way you're not in this situation now where you're quarreling over money you don't really want to give to him. Then you go find your, your running back in the draft, your fourth, fifth rounder, who can come in here and enable offense excel. Again, maybe not to the extent of Saquon, but you find a way to make it work. Ultimately, we just had Jordan Renan on, this, on the show. He seems to be getting just a little bit pessimistic because he points out they've been, they've been negotiating this for a long time now, since the bye week. Still hasn't happened. Now, maybe we get a buzzer beater, you know, a la Daniel Jones, right at the deadline, but we'll see. I, I don't think he's going to sit out. I think he will be in uniform next year for the Giants. Does he, if franchise, sit out the first game just to prove a point? I don't think that's the greatest of looks for him, but, you know, it, when you're a running back and you have this short of a shelf life, you're going to try to maximize the amount of money you can get immediately. So I guess I understand it. Sends the wrong message to your locker room because you think that you can go back to the playoffs. You're going to be punting on games, which is what they, what they would essentially be doing going up against the Cowboys with no Saquon. But that's the situation they find themselves in. Uh, with this two-time Pro Bowler who you know scored ten touchdowns last year, had a had a really bounce back, really nice bounce back season, and did everything in his power to prove that he was exactly the guy that the Giants thought they were getting when they took him number two overall, and worthy of getting money. I don't fault him. I don't. I, I think the Giants have handled this very well. It's just when I lay out you know what has happened to the running backs in this league, it's just is not part of the equation when you're rebuilding the health of this organization as Joe Shane and Brian Dable have been tasked with doing, replacing, you know, Gettleman and, you know, all the failed head coaches, the Shermers and uh, all, all the coaches that have come before him. Joe Judge, when you're tasked with trying to build up this program and do so in a way that is conducive to winning despite not having you know, this onslaught of talent because you haven't drafted drafted well, you cannot get too emotional and cave and acquiesce and give this guy a big-term deal. Speaking of big-term contracts, any coincidence that Quinnen finally gets paid, you know, right after we find out about hard knocks, you want as few distractions as possible headed into the entire world watching what I hope is the next seven months of your season because it means you're playing into February. So the Jets this week, the number four scoring defense in football, finally got their guy, Quinn, on a four-year, $96 million contract, $66 million guaranteed, 12 sacks last year. I'm, I am so glad that this is behind us. Uh, Salah back in June said the deal is going to get done. Still wasn't done. So I got nervous that, not that they weren't going to find some common ground, but this could trickle into the training camp. He's absent. Now that becomes a big story. Distraction, distraction, distraction. I'm so glad that this is in our rearview mirror. Which, by the way, I thought about this. Why do players, particularly in the, particularly in the NFL, during negotiations run to Twitter and their Instagram bios to stir up controversy? Like, you remove the team name from your bio. Like, what's that doing? Is that helping you during negotiations? You're just stirring that the fans are going to tweet about it, it you trend. Like, what's that actually doing for you? Not a big deal, but just a quick aside that, that I wanted to point out. But for the Jets, I mean, look, consider how bad it's been. And one of the reasons why I was so excited 
wasn't just because of what it means for the team going forward next season. They obviously need this guy. But when you look at how bad it's been, given their draft history and recent memory, it felt so good to lock up one of your guys. The Jets were the only team that didn't re-sign any of the first-rounders in that six-year span from 2012 to 2018, so a second contract. The only team. Like, this happened with the Knicks for a long time, where they, they were just guys just weren't getting that second contract until it, until it happened. But, you know, going back, just look at what this organization has gone through and the shift that's happened, it's good to see that they finally found someone worth signing to a second contract. Because I just it just was so silly to me that Jet fans raved about cap space Ray, every year. Oh, my God, look at all this cap space. Having cap space means that your players that you're drafting aren't good enough to get a second contract because great organizations don't every single year have cap space because they're drafting well and they're locking these guys up and building their team through the draft. So it was an indictment of those in charge of, of roster building that you had all this cap space. But Quinn Williams gets you know locked into a big-term contract. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And finally, you put that behind you, and we can go ahead and talk about the real problems, which is there's an underrated storyline not getting talked about enough. Someone who is going to have the microscope on him and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous just because I don't have the answers yet on this guy. But I'll tell you who I'm talking about coming up. 800-919-3776. And also continue to take your calls on Saquon Barkley and the Giants. We're going until 6 o'clock right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Before I get back to the phone calls, I see going to break uh, a certain member of the JET organization I'm nervous about because it's flying under the radar. And I think as we get closer to the season, it will become a, a, a bigger topic. But it's this. I came across CBS did like their head coach rankings headed into the season. And I had to scroll all the way down to 26 to find my guy Robert Sala. After starting 7-4 and four last year, ended the season on a six-game losing streak. Uh, so he's ranked the 26th best head coach in the NFL. And what's so alarming to me about this is they have him behind two rookie head coaches and Shane Steichen with the Colts and D'Amico Ryans with the Texans. They got Salah ranked behind two guys who have never done the job before. That's not great. I think the issue for, for Salah is that he's going down that like Sam Darnold path of, wait, do we really know anything yet? Because he hasn't been given a fair, a fair deal. You know, the Zach Wilson mess was a, was a disaster. You know, he, between him getting hurt and him when he's on the field wasn't good. Mike White, he's hurt. So there was just so much turmoil at the quarterback position. People wonder, has he gotten a fair shake yet? Like, can we actually evaluate him as a head coach when he hasn't had a quarterback? Um, but year one, worst defense in football, and that's as a, a defensive guru. Last year, they were a top-five defense, which he gets credit for, but 
going into year three, 11 and 23 so far, and two postseason DNPs. So I think that another reason why he could be flying under the radar early is because Hackett and Rodgers is like the dream pairing. So we're focused more on that duo that's had success, that the last time they were together, you know, back-to-back MVPs. But you can't hide coaching in the NFL. If the Jets are going to reach expectations next year, Salah's going to have to show that he is a – Really good head coach. Uh, You look at the landscape of the conference, it's good head coach after good head coach, good quarterback after good quarterback. So he's going to have to at least put that on display. And I had issues last year with clock management and timeout situations. So we're going to be watching for Salah. And is he on the hot seat? Absolutely. You can't miss the playoffs three straight years and expect to keep your job. So for Robert, I'm rooting for him. I had a pleasure of – I was filling in on the K-Show – uh, it was the Monday after Christmas, hosting with Dan Grassa, and I got to interview him. Great guy. Yeah, he's someone who like you can really get behind because he's the galvanizer, the fan base, the rah-rah motivator. But we're going to have to see him actually do the X's and O's thing next year uh, if this team has any shot of making some noise. 800-919-3776. Let's go to John in New Jersey. What's up, John? What's going on, Ty? How you doing, my brother? Doing well, man. Talk to me. What's up? Yeah, you want to talk a little chat a little bit about uh two six. I mean Saquon. Um, it, it's 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 unfortunate, but right now you know positional value. You know the value in wide receivers, Ed rushes, quarterbacks. We know who it is, and I don't think they should honestly pay him. You know what I mean? NFL not for long. That definitely parallels right there well with with the running back positions. Um, don't get me wrong. He is valuable to the team. If you look at, you know, he, he, what, he was responsible for 40% of the offense last year. But, you know, I think John Mara got his got his hand in the kitchen, man, still, regardless. It might be a buzzer beater, like I mentioned earlier. They're going to cave in eventually. And then it, it's going to still be a talking point. I mean, it's, it's going to be bad for the Giants, but good for you guys, right, media. If he if he if he plays well and let's say he does sign the tack only, no no you know, no extension. Plays well, it's gonna be talked about oh, Giants should have got, you know, a deal done. Yada yada. If he plays bad while getting the extension, y'all already know what the talk is gonna be. So regardless of the fact it's gonna be a talking point on on Saquon. Uh but yeah, man, I mean, listen, they paid a mediocre quarterback, they might as well pay, you know, don't have <laughs> half asset. I mean, don't half asset now. Is either you all in, you're no longer rebuilding. So might as well, you know, pull your chips in now. I mean, you know, Daniel Jones' cap hit is like $18 million this year. Next year is going to get ugly, and the year after that it's going to be ugly. But right now you got some wiggle room to, you know, finesse the cap. So yeah, if you're going to do sign them, it is what it is, man. Just just get out the way. But I personally don't feel as if they should. But I hear you, John. I appreciate the call. Uh, just quick correction there. The Giants can actually get out of the Daniel Jones deal after two seasons. So this is very team-friendly. But I do hear your point. The conundrum is you you are still evaluating Daniel Jones. You paid him because you had to. There was no real alternative. He went out there last year, had a career season, won you a playoff game. There was no alternative. You you have the head coach in, in year one, find success with him, Clearly, there's some chemistry, and he did it with limited weapons. So you've improved that portion of the team. 
you don't remove Saquon from the equation and expect the evaluation of Daniel Jones to be fair. So that, to me, is the conundrum. But I, I don't think they're going to cave. I, I, I think they are going to abide by being responsible. And for me, as an organization operating in a salary cap league, you are not going to unload top dollar on an aging running back in a sport where no one's doing that anymore because we've seen historically that's not a way you successfully build your program. I, I mentioned the names. You know, Alvin Kamara with the Saints. That age well. Todd Gurley, Zeke, McCaffrey, I, like these these contracts never really age well. So why get into it and, and, and make that kind of a decision? Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Ty. Shout out to the company. And just wanted to talk about, you know, the Quinn and Williams and the New York Jets. And also I have a point on Mr. Sala as well. Um, it, it, it really, I'm happy that they finally did get this done because we were kind of developing. It, it, it is the sign of a hallmark of a bad team when you can't sign anybody that you drafted. And it was something, I, I think, um, what was it, the Jamal Adams um, contract negotiation kind of brought that to highlight when, you know, Colin Coward felt like we needed to sign him, even though I, I thought it was a mistake at that time. Uh, but with Quinn and Williams, he's been a model citizen. He came in every training camp, didn't give you an issue, and he's been pretty much a top, you know, defensive lineman for, for the Jets ever since he came here. So I definitely am happy that we got that out the way. And the sad thing with Salah is, is that with me, I felt like he did a really good job last year, even with all the quarterback issues. And I find it funny because people are going to make fun of, you know, the Mike White t-shirts and how he let the locker room do whatever it was. But we live in an age where these players are not going to sacrifice years off their life for a bad quarterback. And what we saw, what we saw in that locker room was – they they knew what was going on and they weren't going to let a uh, bad ownership you know and uh, Woody Johnson say hey we're going to stick with Zach Wilson so and now now that pressure is on Salah because apparently since he didn't you know stop the t-shirts you know because the, oh my god the t-shirts is such a big thing we had to you know he has to now pretty much back it up with Aaron Rodgers with you know the right coordinator and um forgetting his name now, um, Hackett, and everything else that goes along with it. So I'm hoping for a good yeah. season. I'm hoping that he does uh, prove his coaching acumen. And it's going to be nice to hear, you know, some more Jet talk from 6 to 10, you know, from from Texas. So I'm ha I'm happy to hear that as well. So I hope you guys yeah, have Jake a Jake Aspen's coming up. Jake Aspen's coming up. Make sure you guys uh, lock in, stay locked in on the station. He's going to give you a tremendous program from 6 to 10. And, and maybe we can pop him on before he show the preview what he's got going on. On Salah, the excuse is now gone. You can no longer say that you're being held back by your quarterback because you have one of the best in NFL history. Albeit at, at an advanced age, approaching 40, but not too far removed from winning back-to-back -back MVPs where you should once again miss the playoffs. That would be a, an unmitigated disaster. We had the Tom River to talk to Matt. Hello, Matt. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, Matt? Uh, I just wanted to talk Jets and uh, ask you a question because I'm really excited about the wide receiver 
group we have, getting the opportunity to play for a good quarterback and Aaron Rodgers is here. And when I think about the depth chart, I, just, I think it's crazy because, like, Lazard was an undrafted guy. Like, if you look at him as prospects. And Corey Davis was a top-ten pick. And a lot of people are, like, just saying, oh, Lazard is our number two, and he's going to have, like, assuming he's going to have a better year than Corey Davis. And I, I'm saying don't sleep on Corey Davis because – Well, he's, he's been healthy. inconsistent, Matt. That thing. See, you yeah, start with the if he's guy. healthy. He, he's, like, he was top five in yards per reception in all of the NFL. So, I mean, when he, when he catches it, it's usually a first down. He makes big yeah, plays. Yeah, but so I'm just it, saying, it's a flawed stat, Matt. Matt, it's a flawed he's stat because he's not healthy. He's not healthy enough. It's it's not just about the quarterback. He, he played 14 games out there. It's pretty solid. Yeah, but he, we've seen him get hurt. And even in games he played, you know, leave anybody, early. Anybody have to leave the girl. I'm just saying, as prospects, he, he could potentially have a bigger season than Lazard. And nobody's really like, they're just burying him. And I, I'm saying don't sleep on him, man. If he's healthy, he could be a problem. You. Listen, I hear you. I appreciate the call. A couple things. The reason why Lazard's going to get more love is because, uh, you know, he was Rodgers was 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 his teammate in Green Bay. He became the number one receiver with the Packers once Devontae Adams was shipped to uh, shipped to Vegas. But uh, the the injury concerns are real. He didn't play 14 games last year. Corey Davis played 13, and then he played nine games the year before that. So like that that is going to continue to. Uh, define him until he shows that he can consistently stay on the field. And also, by the way, we didn't know he was still going to be on the team. So that, you know, it looked like he could be a, a cap casualty, uh, either released or traded, and we still don't know if he's actually going to make it to the opening day roster. So we'll see. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls as we wrap the show right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. That five minutes is going to drag about a half hour, 45 minutes to an hour. So that's what five minutes mean. I loved it. That, that, was, uh, that was a dope post to come across today. That is so accurate. So accurate. By the way, uh, get ready to tee them high and let them fly at the ESP New York Teared Up Golf Challenge presented by Jake's 58 Casino Hotel on Tuesday, July 25th at Windwatch Golf Country Club in Hawpaw, Long Island, where 60 teams will compete for great prizes and bragging rights. Purchase your twosome today at ESPNNewYorkGolf.com and join Rick DiPietro, Dave Rothenberg, Bart Scott, Alan Hahn, and other special guests. All proceeds benefit the Garden of Dreams Foundation. Individual tickets for cocktails and dinner are also available. It's the ESP New York Teared Up Golf Challenge presented by Jake's 58 Casino Hotel and brought to you by Don Julio Tequila, All-American Auto Group, Kettle Vodka, Smart Water, White Claw Hard Seltzer, Aviation American Gin, Juggernaut Wines, and Schweppes Ginger Ale. Learn more at ESPNNewYorkGolf.com, 800-919-3776. Jet Conversation, you guys want to weigh in. Robert Sala is on the hot seat. Let's not get it twisted. I'm rooting for him. I want to see him succeed. Likeable guy, defensive-minded, motivator, but excuses out the window. 11-23 and in two seasons, you finally have your quarterback. I don't want to see clock management issues. I don't want to see time management issues. I want to see a team that's ready to play now that you've solidified both sides of the ball. We had to Virginia to talk to Dwayne, who wants to weigh in on, on this conversation. What's up, Dwayne? Hey Ty, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing I'm doing well, man. What's going on? Talk to me. 
Uh, well, you know, you read you read about the five minute thing, clock management. Uh, you know, my ten minutes actually turns into two. Um, it's always two minute warning. Anyway, all right. So, rated so low on that list of head coaches, the guy's defensive minded. If he sees a quarterback, he sees him in his office or in the hallway. He's a defensive guy. Now you got Hackett, who was a terrible head coach. It turned out to be. Um, he's a he's a great offense coordinator. Aaron Rodgers won two MVP awards under him. You there, Ty? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. What's your point? Let me hear. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm saying for him to be rated so low when he didn't even have a quarterback last year, now he's got one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. And he, look at the defense last year. So you're going to give Sala that low of a rating when the defense was that great? He was responsible for that. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's a tad bit disrespectful, Dwayne. Uh, to have him 26, like I understand you are what your record says you are. I get it. I get it. You are what your record says you are. But uh, to have him behind two rookie head coaches, guys who have never done the job before, something feels wrong no, about I, that, Dwayne. I got one more thing, Ty. Um, What's people, up? There was a guy on the morning show. There was a guy on the morning show last week that like mm-hmm. was totally dissing you. I think he hates yeah. you because he ain't you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think somebody poisoned his boobons. Listen, I, I, look, if you have the energy to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and then at 620 call a radio show, eye, okay? to call a radio show just to rip me when like I've got nothing to do with the show, like, you're, Dave's oh, hosting no. by himself, and you called in for the first time just to rip me at 6 o'clock in the morning, Sounds like a hey, cold world. Yeah, I appreciate star, it. Man. He, did, he, doesn't, he doesn't get it. Like I said, he hates you because he ain't you. You're a rising star. Like you and Cross are like the best at doing solo shows. You're the best in the I, business. I, so. I appreciate the love, Dwayne. Really appreciate you You're giving us a, a call up from Virginia. My guy Gross are hanging out. Turks and Caicos right now. My, you know, Rosenberg, I just saw him put it on his uh, on his IG that him and, and the new wife, Miss Hatton, they hanging out in Turks and Caicos as well. I wish I was in Turks and Caicos. Wish I was in Turks and Caicos, but you know I'm here talking to y'all, and, and yeah, like that that guy who called in, I I heard some of it, I laughed, just because you got the energy at that time in the morning to to rip me, you a cornball, homie. Let's go to the Bronx. Buddha's gonna want to talk about Robert Sala and tell me why I'm wrong. So let's do it, Buddha. Let's hear it. There you go, framing the conversation before I even get to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, my brother? How you doing? Uh, love you, man. Love you so much, man. Listen, see, I, I, I was listening to the whole show today, and I, you know, I'm not gonna dive back into that Jordan stuff. I mean, you guys were just against Orlando Magic, like he didn't come back and sweep them the next day. But anyway, oh. you know, um, listen, <laughs> 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 yeah, I love you, bro. I really do, man. You know how to push buttons. I love it. Um, but listen, with this Rob Salad thing. You know, I, I don't care where they ranked him or nothing like that. I just got to take umbrage when you said he galvanized the fan base. You know, have you heard the calls on this station last year and the year before about this guy? Galvanized no, is so, the word. That, that, wait, that's hang a on. Word. 
Hang on, Buddha. What I'm talking about is a guy like we 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 marvel at you know the Rex Ryan years early before Rex kind of became like you know a, a buffoon, and I'm saying a guy who's able to come in here after the success he had in Seattle and San Francisco and be a motivator, be someone who's on the field. Like compare him to what you had with Adam Gase, who was stoic on the sidelines. Bowles didn't say anything. That's what I was just talking about. The energy. I, I understand we have held him as a fan base accountable. For you know what's happened over two years, which is why I give his record eleven and twenty three. So I was just talking about you know him being a motivator and him being someone who's animated on the sidelines, which I understand. If it's not leading to wins, then what the hell do we care? But I get your point. But listen now, specifically with him last year, you know he almost got fired, right? Yeah. yeah. Woody Johnson was going to fire him. Joe Joe Douglas saved his job, you know, and really probably you know did that partly because he likes him, but also I mean, how many mistakes can you have? The quarterback. To your last, before you get before you get to your last point, before you get to your last point, let me just stop you because you you've said a lot of things that are salient and that I agree with. The one thing about you know him comparing him to Adam Gase is what Salah has going for him is at least a unit we are giving you credit for being a guru in. 
which is the defensive side of the ball, you were fantastic last year. Whereas Adam Gase, I mean, could they have looked more lost on offense? So Gase was was brought in here to be an offensive guru. The offense stunk. Uh, Salah was brought in here to be a defensive guru. Year one, they stunk. Last year, they cleaned it up. So I, I would say that's the difference uh, between those two. But go ahead. Your last point. Uh, you know, a lot of people stunk when Sam Darnold was the quarterback. I mean, you know, who's offensive coordinator before that? He stunk too. So, you know, a little bit. I'm not, and I'm not trying to defend Adam Gates. But there's a part of Solid too, and this is just me, just being a New Yorker and just being from the Bronx. You know, when I see him going up against the other coaches, he got that look on his – there was a character on, on the old Cosby show. It was, his name was Dumb Donald. And he would wear the scully, and the scully would be bent to the side, nose was running, and that's how he was looking in those games. I mean, that game against the Jaguars, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care oh, who the Thursday night game. He looked like he did not belong on an NFL sideline as a head coach. And that's what is really trending it. This guy looks more like a defensive coordinator than he does the CEO of a team. I'm, I'm sorry. You can't wear your scully like that. This is New York City, fam. You cannot wear your hat like that. I hear you, Buddha. I appreciate the call. I'm up against the clock. I hear you, man. Can't disagree with the, what you just said. Uh, big season for him upcoming, obviously. And he's got to show us more than the rah-rah and, you know, just your defense being good. We need to see you have a successful regular season make the playoffs, and end this drought that we've been talking about since 2010. Maybe the hard knocks is the key to it, right? Last time they made the playoffs, last time they got to the conference championship game, hard knocks. So maybe that's the key to this whole thing. 800 919 We wrap the show next right here on 98.7 ESPN.